0: Well, we are trying to shake things up a bit here at my curious colleague, and we're kicking off a series of um, chats highlighting this intersection between consumer relations function and other cross-functional partners within the organization. We've talked in other episodes about that importance of partnering with a lot of different cross-functional. And today, we're going to be talking with my friend and colleague, Jane Fryman. Jane is a recent founder of Smart Kitchen Insights Group. She has been a leader within the consumer test kitchen space for the past 25 plus years. Prior to creating Smart Kitchen Insights Group, Jane was at the Campbell Soup Company as director of the consumer test kitchen. In addition, Jane is an active member of International culinary professionals hi jane welcome to the podcast today i'm so glad you're you're here today
1: well thank you for having me you know you're you're
0: someone who has spent quite a bit of time pursuing your passion which is this understanding a very deep understanding of the home cook as well as food and kitchen trends as well as mastering the art of creating directions for products that deliver superior in-home results, and that's where our paths cross when we work together at Campbell's Soup Company. Can you shed some light on what drove you to this career, please?
1: Yes, um, it starts, it's kind of a long story, but I'll make it short. I've always (laughs) loved food and cooking, and I found out about a career in a test kitchen actually through my father, He worked for um, Corning Glass Company and um, the makers of Pyrex and Corel. And he worked closely with folks in the test kitchen. And he would come home with these stories of tasting recipes and going to photo shoots and having them ship strawberries from Australia. And it just sounded like amazing. You cook all day and you taste foods. What could be wrong with that? And so... Um, I said, that's what I want to do. And at at least nine years old, and that's kind of strange for a nine-year-old to know what they're going to do. But I just always wanted to be able to use my um, love of cooking and helping people. Um, In college, I took uh, some consumerism courses. And it just, I don't know, something was unlocked in me that I wanted to be this advocate for home cooks. And every time I would talk to people about what I wanted to do, they'd be like, well, you want to be in dietetics or you Mm. want to be in the restaurant field. And I was like, no, 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 no. I want to work at, you know, a test kitchen like Betty Crocker. (laughs) And um, so they'd be shaking their heads. And, uh, you know, I knew what I wanted and I just worked towards it. And I was lucky enough to work at one other food company before I went to work at Campbell's. And it was truly a dream job. Again, you get to cook, you get to help teams uh, figure out, you know, what's the content that they need to sell and drive product usage. And in the end, it was always about that home cook. And I always loved being their advocate and trying to help them. Yeah, it's it's definitely um, that end consumer. I know you and I have that in
0: common. It's all about yes. the end consumer. Um, in your case, very specific, the consumer yeah. who is... Cooking through recipes, um, and I think we also have that family. It is funny how family seeps into things. Like in my, growing up in my family, food equals love. Having <laughs> and, you know this Italian background, and I know in a lot of a lot of ethnicities, and, and you know, food is love.
1: And, it um, sure is, and they say, and it's. I think it is so true. The kitchen is the heart of the home. So absolutely. you think about it. Food is love. The kitchen is the heart of the home. So much yeah. happens in the kitchen. It's just a wonderful place. And to be able to work on brands and products that have that are set right in that area is a true joy. And then to talk to people about cooking and how they get food on the table and hearing sort of their challenges and trying to help them is a great area that I always loved.
0: Yeah, I, can't, I cannot blame you. Um, I mentioned that we worked together at Campbell Soup. You were the first one who uh, taught me the phrase, adding recipes to consumers' repertoire and yes. the importance of that. And, and, yes. and I think at the time you might have shared, or right, I might have this wrong, maybe there was 14 recipes in a typical consumer repertoire. Is that about right, even today? It's yeah. been a while.
1: Um, it ranges. And so uh, it's been a fun journey to understand sort of what people are making day to day and this repertoire of dishes that they have. It's a collection of things that they're constantly going to. They probably started with the recipe, but they're not doing the recipe anymore because they're making it so often. And it really depends on the type of cook on how many recipes they have in that repertoire. So mm-hmm. people that love to cook and get a real passion have repertoires that could be up to 16, 17 recipes that they're doing on, you know, a rotation. But then there are people that just really don't love to cook and they might have 10 recipes in their repertoire and that they're, they're go-tos. And for a food company, you want to create content that is within that repertoire because you want them to do the familiar, but you want them to use your product. So knowing that repertoire was always very important and the ability to understand that and get that feedback right away is really important. I think that's where we came together because your team was hearing what our users were saying and could capture what were they making. And we would be able to take that and say, okay, that's great intel. What, how do we use that information, you know, to create content or even what kind of products do we have or how do we create the directions for those products? Right,
0: right. And, and thinking again back on those days, um, from your vantage point, you know, it feels like you viewed the feedback as very positive um, but can you talk a little bit more about how you viewed the feedback we heard from consumers through oh, our, sure.
1: so, our uh, consumer affairs uh, team? Excuse me. What would be so valuable is not only we could do surveys and ask them certain questions that we had in the kitchen. So we might have been working on you know, a product and doing directions. And we might say, I wonder if they're used to being used to calling a baking sheet? Or is it a cookie sheet? You know, could we run a survey and find out what do you call that thing that you bake on? Or it could be, um, you know, are they filling their can of water when they're reconstituting the condensed soup all the way? Or are they using Mm -hmm. a partial amount? So we could get those kind of questions asked pretty quickly because we would go to you and say, Hey, we have this question and you're like, okay, when people call about this, we can ask. So that's huge. The other area that was very helpful was if you started seeing a lot of calls in a certain subject or a certain product or a question, you all would come to us and say, you know what, we're seeing this. What do you think? And um, I'll never forget, uh, we saw some um, spike in people calling that their classic sloppy joe was not working. This recipe they had used for years and years and years wasn't working. And um, the team came to us and said, have you changed the recipe? And I'm like, no, we haven't touched that recipe Forever And so then, you know, I start digging into the recipe to see, were there any changes made to it? No, we didn't make any changes. And we're like, well, that's kind of strange. And they were complaining that it was very watery. And we we couldn't figure it out. And then we actually made the recipe using the product that they had. And we had the same results. And then we ended up going back to our product development team and said, you know, have you done something to this at all? And they're like, oh, yes, we updated the formula. Mm -hmm, And we, mm -hmm. you know, when we made it again and we brought the, the teams together. So we had the consumer affairs response team, the call team there. We had our product development team there. We had the marketing team there. We were there. We made this up and we said, this is what we're seeing. This really isn't right. And so we were able to understand what had happened. We were able to make some modifications to the recipe. We were able to get some information to the consumer response team. Mm -hmm. So they had something to say. And Mm -hmm. we really helped the teams understand why it is so critical. No matter what sort of tinkering they're doing to the formula, they need to always alert us because what they think, you know, they might be changing won't affect anything you never know. Right. And so that's just another really huge reason why collaboration is so critical and getting those right people together and that the the call team is really that first line of defense. You know, they're hearing it all. Yeah. And to have a great relationship and have them be able to call us at, you know, any moment um, to say, hey, we're seeing this, or, you know, mm-hmm. what do you think about this? It's critical. So um, I'm all for the uh, art of collaboration between the teams. Perfect.
0: Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see if I can summarize what I'm hearing, some of the ways that, um, that I'm hearing how you could kind of partner with Consumer Affairs and the uh, Test Kitchen. So one of the ways is through surveys, um, which is basic. There's a lot of CPG consumer relations that are doing that, but but getting to the nomenclature. So you mentioned the, you know, what do you call? It? Is it a baking sheet? Is it a cooking tray? You know, what 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 is it? So there's those type of simple phrases. I remember there once was a discussion on whether or not is casserole still sort of a relevant phrase, and you know, should <clears throat> it really be more of a bake versus a casserole and things like that. But also um, to really listen and assess how you know, potential process changes could, in fact, impact the recipe that consumers are experiencing or the recipe result in their kitchens. I'm trying to think if there's, oh, I remember a time, another idea is it was something that was so simple and effective. Um, I don't know if you remember the recipe tracker. Yes, think- and to be honest, Jade. It was a little difficult the way we captured the data at that point. Um, you know, There was a lot of reading of verbatims to distinguish what the request was. Um, we didn't have reason codes for every single one of the yeah. um, recipes that we had, but it was a nice way to see, okay, where was that interest?
1: Well, and the idea of the recipe tracker also helped us understand um, you know, the recipes that they were really adopting and doing, you know, and giving us that sort of Intel, uh, these days, what is extremely valuable and the consumer, um, call center also covered were, um, reviews on recipes on online. And that's another rich area Mm -hmm. to get feedback. And we actually had, um, and have, uh, one person in the test kitchen that would work closely with the call center and review the um, low rate, like if we ever got a low rating on a recipe to see what could be the problem. You know, was it uh, that it wasn't written well? And God forbid that wasn't the case because Mm -hmm. we thoroughly, you know, worked on our recipe style and writing, but you never know. um, Interpretation. Uh, or was it that we weren't giving them enough information? Uh, what could be the problem? And so we would oftentimes, any low rated recipes we would make in the kitchen and evaluate and try to figure out why did it not meet you know the standards of the home cook, then we could go back And communicate to that person that gave it a low rating to say, hey, we saw this, we made changes, would you try it again and give us feedback? Mm -hmm. So there you're building a relationship with your user and with that, you're building a loyalty because wouldn't you be very touched if you wrote a comment on a recipe that you weren't happy with and someone took the time to read it and make changes and then ask you for your input, that would make me feel really great. And that's how people, you know, felt about that. And the idea of having diverse feedback is huge. Mm -hmm. And now in this day and age, you can get it very easily.
0: Yeah.
1: And make that connection
0: so that you got all of us in consumer relations back in the day, jazzed up. To you know, work together. Obviously, what are some of those natural connection points that you see between consumer relations people like myself and even our
1: call center um, and the consumer test kitchen? Yeah, so it's interesting because um, we did spend some time creating those connections and uh, helping each other because it's very um, collaborative. There's information on both teams. That is so valuable. And sometimes you're busy in the day. You don't really think that it's important for the other team, but it is. So one um, area that uh, we discovered and was so beneficial once we discovered this was sharing the recipes we were developing with the team. So that they're familiar with what are the latest ad recipes or what are the latest promotion recipes because they're getting the calls or the emails or, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. the questions, however the questions come. If they're prepared and know what the brands are supporting, then they can be talking about them in a knowledgeable way and being able to answer them in a knowledgeable way. So they're not, you know, held in the dark. That's is one thing that we really uncovered that we didn't do all the time. But once we discovered how important that was, we did make it a very regular um, sort of thing where we would have meetings and we actually would do breakfast together and share recipes Mm -hmm. or lunchtime. Um, We would also invite the team to come if they were in the building or around to our tastings. You know, if we're Mm -hmm. doing a big tasting for recipes that we're going to be launching for an ad campaign, we would call them and have them come over and see it. So again, it's educating them or as we're doing preparation directions, if it should be a product that needed an application direction, bringing the team in to say, okay, these are the directions. This is how you do it. Do you foresee anything um, that could come up? Um, We also would do uh, scripts. You know, when we would be launching a new product, we would help the team come up with what is that script for the call center and what are the most common questions we think. Um, There was some products we had worked on at one point where we had alternatives. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you could make it this way, but you could also you know, sub in different products and we would walk through that, you know, um, if they didn't have, maybe it was made in a slow cooker. And if they didn't have a slow cooker, how could they do it on top of the stove? We would work out solutions so that they would have that ahead of time. So that's another uh, great point of how we should be working together sort of hand in hand and sharing information.
0: Absolutely. So let's fast forward now to Today. Now, you are an entrepreneur branching out on your own a bit with Smart Kitchen Insights Group. Tell me a bit about um, what's happening there. What are some of the areas of expertise you're sharing with folks, and who are some of the types of people you're serving in this new founder's role?
1: Well, it's um, doing the extension of what I absolutely adore it is a virtual full service test kitchen. So the ability of doing um, things that I really love, like um, strategy work for recipes and content. You know, what are the right mixes of recipes that a company should have, or what's the right first-time use of an appliance, a small appliance, um, helping getting over the fear factor for a small appliance and giving them an easy recipe. But I think you know, I've learned over the years how to develop recipes that are foolproof, and to be able to share this with other companies and help them with content um, that will get used and to drive usage. So, um, you know, I've talked to so many different people, and they don't always understand that home cook and the challenges. And so, to be able to help them with that is um, an area that I'm, I'm focusing on. So, working with uh, you know small startups in the food area um, as well as small appliances and then, you know, occasionally helping some larger appliance companies, you know, with trends and um, Mm -hmm. thinking about where they should go with, you know, recipe content.
0: Yeah. What, what do you, um, let me ask you this before I ask you for your content information, what is it that you have the most heart for as you look at this new New uh, journey that you're on. What are so areas? I think
1: the biggest um, area that I really want to tackle is helping teams understand the home cook and their challenges because it isn't a one size fits all. And so being able to marry the brand's um, target with who their home cook is, is an area that I really enjoy. And I think is really needed because I've talked to so many different people and they say, oh, we want to, you know, go to everybody. Well, Mm. everybody approaches cooking differently. So you have to have a target. So I think working with companies to help them get closer to their target is really um, sort of the sweet spot that I really, really enjoy so how could people get in touch with you to potentially work with you? Well, they can reach out at me, uh, to me at jane at smartkitcheninsights.com or visit my website, Smart Kitchen. well, it's www.smartkitcheninsights.com.
0: Let's roll out the crystal ball now. Um, so what trends do you see in the future or you know, where you see them heading for food and meal prep.
1: So, you know, right now it's a really interesting time because we're just trying to come out of this pandemic and a lot of things were shaken up. Um, But I have been spending the last, I'd say three or four years, watching sort of where the Mm -hmm. future of cooking and cooking tools were going and the whole idea of smart tools and, um, They're smart to an extent. The kitchen area is really the last kind of area that has um, really opened up to that smart way of technology. It's happening in, you know, doorbells and heating and, you know, TVs. It's a little bit slower in the kitchen. But I have to say um, a couple big trends are happening in the kitchen and in the home. The idea about a safe home a safe, sterile home. You don't want the germs. So things with lighting and UV lighting that can kill, you know, the germs on the counters, um, you know, so they're under the cabinet, UV lights, or they're tools, a wand that you can, you know, wave over your, you know, counter and it has a UV light and it will kill, you know, the bacteria and the germs. Um, That's a Big area that's starting to get some momentum. The whole idea about sustainability, bringing the indoors, uh, the outdoors indoors, growing um, a lot of very interesting tools out there to grow your vegetables inside. Um, some that are extremely expensive, um, that you know are the price of maybe a large sub-zero refrigerator. Um, So they're new. So of course, the new things are going to be more expensive. So it'll be interesting to watch those come down. So right now you're seeing very small um, growing systems, but I really think there's going to be some movement in that area. The other thing is, you know, everyone was hit hard with the pandemic and being caught off guard and not having a big stock of ingredients on, you know, in home or, or food stuff, you know, in home, you know, paper towels and all of that. So uh, what I'm starting to see are through renovations and new builds, this idea of a walk-in pantry. So, You know, gone are the walk in closets and those features that, you know, everyone is clamoring for. Now it's this walk in pantry, these butler pantries. The idea, if you do have the space that you can have these big rooms where you have backups and the idea of, you know, if you don't have the luxury of a huge, you know, being able to have a huge pantry, people are converting, you know, hutches and cabinets as their backup space or racks in their basement, you know, as backup spaces. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with the pandemic and lockdown, people were cooking a lot more. And it was fun in the beginning. You know, anything in the beginning is kind of fun, um, but fatigue sets in. And, you know, even myself, you know, I spent the time, you know, teaching my middle schooler about cooking. You know, we would have cooking classes last summer. And, you know, every week I'd say to her, find a recipe and we'll make it. Um, well, we don't have that time now. So people are finding that, okay, it's back to the old, you know, trying to juggle it all. So I believe that cooking is going to stay how they get to that end dish will change and it depends on their style of cooking. You know, if they're a full scratch cook, they're going to attack it one way. You know, if they're, um, using prepared products, they're going to attack it another way, but they are going to be cooking still and they are going to supplement with some takeout occasionally. Um, but I think for at least three to four days, people will be making meals at home again and, or continue. Um, But how they do it, I think might change. It just depends how busy they are in their needs state.
0: Yeah. It may just morph a little bit and adapt. Yeah, It's a great trend. All right. We got our final question. um, And that is wondering if you have a volunteer group you'd like to give a shout out to. So do tell.
1: Yes. So very close to my heart is, um, share our strengths cooking matters program. And, uh, I have to say, I started working with them about, um, close to 10 years ago now while I was at Campbell's. And one of the things I did was we adopted, um, a class, almost a class a year, and it's a six weeks Program And we would bring them into the test kitchen and it's elementary school children. And we, um, through Share Our Strength and Cooking Matters, they have many different great programs. And um, we tried to, we worked with different age groups. We finally found the sweet spot were fourth and fifth graders. And so we would adopt a school in Camden and bring their fourth or fifth grade class to our test kitchen after hours. And I had a team of employees and we would break up into groups and we would, um, teach them how to cook. And we would have a nutrition lesson because part of this cooking matters is you learn about nutrition, you learn about making healthy choices and you learn about cooking. And what I loved is it starts to unlock the passion for food and cooking. And it really teaches lifelong skills, but this cooking matters is all over the country. And I think it's just such a special organization. Um, and it's cookingmatters.org. Great shout out.
0: Well, that takes us to the end of our reunion and, and chit chat. I wish you all the best in your new venture and really appreciate you taking time out of your
1: your day to uh, chat with me here on the podcast. Oh, Denise, it was just a pleasure. I enjoyed catching up with you and uh, talking about a subject that I love. So thank you for giving me this opportunity. And um, I love your podcast. It's so exciting. And I wish you all the luck in in continuation in the podcast.
0: Thanks again, Jane. Appreciate it. Thank you. If you've learned even a kernel of an idea or was inspired by this episode, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcast. Be sure to share out the hashtag CPGCX because CPGCX really and truly rocks. You have been listening to the My Curious Colleague podcast with Denise Veneery. Thank you for your time.